Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about and teaching on the subject of worship. Today's going to be a little different. Because we just had this really time of worship that involved music and song and instruments. But that's not all worship is. So we've been teaching about worship, and sometimes as the modern church in America, we tend to simplify worship. And we talk about it in ways that are just musical. And that's really um, very much an oversimplification. The, um, The narrowness of that interpretation is something that we're going to address today because worship is so much more than just raising our hands or singing a song. I don't know about you, but when I read the scripture as a singer, as a vocalist, and when I read the scripture about worshiping forever, forever and ever, till the end of time that has no end, I'm like, okay, let's sing. But if you don't love to sing, can you imagine that heaven sounds a little bit like hell? If you hate like screechy sopranos, like me, (laughs) all up in your worship business, you might not find that a thrilling thought. So when people talk about worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever, if your definition of worship is just music, that might be a little bit like, eh, not so much. So in the Old Testament, we see that worship was many things, um, things that might make you and me very uncomfortable this morning like the slaughtering of bulls and pouring out of blood on an altar. Yay, worship today was awesome. Did you see all that blood? Not so much today. Thankfully, the God of the universe has been reaching through time forever, wanting to communicate with you and with me value and worth. Oh, I'm really special this morning with all the fans. Thanks, Josh, for making me ring. The English word worship actually comes from the idea of worth-ship, the conveying of worth. Worship, very simply put, is showing or displaying the worth of God. That's very simply put. Over the course of human existence, God has been reaching toward us, desiring to know us and be known by us to show us his worth, and because you and I are created in his image to convey to us our own worth. That's powerful. That's powerful. He's used many tools for communicating with us. And since the passing of the Old Testament sacrificial system, one that we easily recognize today is songs. Telling of his love, his goodness, and his worth. But today, I'm going to invite you into a different idea of worship. Um, It's one that's been particularly meaningful to me over the last two years since I was first invited to participate in it. It's called imaginative prayer. Imaginative prayer. And this this morning is going to be different than our typical worship service, for sure. So if you guys would just Keep an open mind and and stay with me this morning. Do your best to engage in something that's a little bit different for many of us. 
it was only two years ago that I experienced this for the first time. And um, I hope it will be meaningful for you today. So what is imaginative prayer? I'm going to read just a little bit from a book that's helped me understand. Imaginative prayer is a way of opening ourselves to God and listening for his words, looking for his face and waiting for his touch. It's a way of praying that can help us experience God's truth in life-changing ways. Now, what it isn't is magic. This is not spiritual voodoo here. We're not doing anything hokey or... Um, I hesitate to use the word, even use the word mystical, but there is, there is a, a mystery. The gospel is frequently called the mysteries of the kingdom. There's nothing wrong with that. I do want to separate the new agey ideas of, of um, getting in, into odd and different things. But we, here we are focusing on the presence of God, focusing on the truth of God. And that is where we can come into agreement as believers that this is a safe place to be in your mind, in your imagination. Uh, when we take our imagination, we give it as an offering to God and say, take this offering of myself and my mind and my heart all together within my imagination. You with me? Okay, good. Now, for some people, this is a little, a little difficult. You may think, Paige, I really have no imagination whatsoever. I really struggle to like imagine. That's okay. For some of you, this may be a little bit challenging. For some of you, you may find this incredibly easy. That's okay. It's okay not to feel anything. And it's okay to feel a lot. Okay? I just want to reassure you there. All right, I encourage you to give this a shot with me, okay? All right, the first thing that we're gonna do right now is I am going to ask you to close your eyes and the weirdness begins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and take some deep breaths. This is called the slow down. I don't know about you, but many of us Run the rat race. Life is busy. Many of you came in here today tired. Stresses with work, home, family can be overwhelming. So as we sit here and breathe, breathe in and breathe out. I just invite you to imagine yourself breathing in life, breathing in the power and the sustaining breath of God. Breathe out worry, tension, disappointment, anger, frustration, all of the things that weigh us down. We breathe in and we breathe out. And today I'm going to be inviting you into a scene in the Bible. This is the first of two exercises we'll do. And this first one is we're actually stepping into a story in the Bible. We're in Bethany. 
and Jesus is there. So first of all, let your, let your mind be a blank space where it's dark, no light. And imagine yourself walking through a dark tunnel into the light and you appear in a room. And in this space, you see a party and Jesus is in the center of it. The house is full of people. You're standing next to the wall near a door, watching everything that is taking place. You notice a woman enter the room. She hesitates, but only for a second. You see fear in her eyes, but there's also something else in her eyes, determination. She stands near the door and scans the room until she sees Jesus. Her eyes soften and the fear seems to evaporate instantly. You watch as she walks over to Jesus. She doesn't say a word, but tears stream down her face. Yet she doesn't wipe them away. Maybe she doesn't even notice that they're there. Stopping next to Jesus as he reclines at the table, she pulls out a beautiful alabaster jar. She breaks it open and an amazing, beautiful fragrance fills the air. She begins to pour the contents of that jar all over Jesus. The room has grown silent and everyone is now staring at her. She either doesn't notice or doesn't care. People began murmuring to each other, complaining. They don't like having her at this party. They don't approve of her or what she's doing. They say she's wasted a lot of good perfume. More than a year's wages wasted on Jesus, they say. Now they're asking her to leave Jesus alone and go away. The woman's tear-filled eyes Look only at Jesus. She's smiling at him and her face is the picture of peace. How can that be? Everyone is looking at her and speaking to her so harshly. No one thinks she belongs here. Well, no one except Jesus. He smiles and looks at her with love and gentleness. He speaks to the people sitting around him and firmly tells them to leave her alone. He looks into her eyes as he tells the others that she has done a beautiful thing for him. He bends low and speaks quietly to the woman. Notice Jesus' eyes, look at them. Realize why this woman is not afraid. Who could be afraid when you look into the eyes of love and they see your soul? What if those eyes looked at you this way too? 
would you become bold and unafraid, not caring what anyone else thinks? Do you want him to see you? Do you want to be the one Jesus sees, the one Jesus defends, the one Jesus intimately speaks with? Suddenly, Jesus turns his head toward you. His eyes seem to look inside of you with love and delight. He smiles. How do you respond? Do you return his gaze? Now he's motioning you over to him. You're invited to spend time with Jesus, not caring what anyone else might think. Respond with your heart, noticing if you want to approach him or not. Say, do, and be who you truly are in front of Jesus. You can open your eyes. I watched some of you go there. I watched you go there. The beauty of a story like this is we're actually taking the words and actions of Jesus and turning them toward ourselves. And activities like this invite questions. Invite questions like, what did you feel when the woman walked in the room? What did you think when people began to yell at her? How did you feel when Jesus defended her? How would you have responded in that place? What does this tell us about Jesus? I think that's a big question. What does it tell us about Jesus when we see his interactions? Do you realize this is worship? Examining the word of God and being still with it? Stepping into a story? Jesus taught in parables. He taught in stories just like this. He would invite his reader, the, his listeners to, to go somewhere with him when he talked, to imagine the scene, to smell the smells and see the sights. Sometimes I get paralyzed by life, the cares and the worries and the troubles. And just going, okay, God, I want to pray. I want to read my Bible, even sitting at my piano and playing worship songs feels really hard. And this type of activity has been a lifesaver for me over the last two years because I don't have to make anything happen. I sit in my chair and I find a story and I go there with Jesus and I ask me, him, God, show me what you have for me in this. Our imaginations are powerful, powerful things. And God can use our, he wants, not just our physical acts. It's wonderful that everyone is here today. 
It's great that you serve the way that you do. He doesn't just want our actions. He wants our hearts and our minds. And one of the things that he convicts me with, this Holy Spirit convicts me with regularly, is just being with him. Spending time just in his presence. Because guys, I can't give out what I'm not filled with. And there are times I walk around empty because I haven't taken the time to just be filled again with his power and his presence. A time of worship with God is a wonderful thing. These Sunday mornings empower me with the the singing and the teaching. And I leave on Sundays like, yeah! But that's not designed to sustain me through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's not designed for me to just be with him one day a week or only give him my worship on Sundays. And it doesn't often look like this on Tuesday night at nine (laughs) o'clock. It looks like this and Netflix, you know? So what would it look like for us to have still time be time with God. This has been very personal for me, so it's exciting for me to get to share it with you. We're going to do a second exercise. Normally, I would only do one, but because I feel like there's a lot in one exercise. But we're going to do two. And this one is the first um, imaginative prayer that I was ever invited into myself. There's no story here, no real story. There's no Bible story, I should say. We're just going somewhere, and we're going to see what happens, okay? All right, we're going to start again by closing our eyes. I won't blame you if you fall asleep in the heat and the quiet. If you'll breathe in. Breathe out, get very comfortable. Let your mind clear, let everything fade to black. And I want you to imagine walking through the darkness like you're in a long, pipe underground. And way in the distance, you begin to see a pinprick of light. And you walk toward that light. Slowly, and the light becomes bigger and bigger. Until finally, it opens, and there's full sun. And you find yourself standing in a beautiful meadow And the meadow is full of songbirds and hopping things. The sun is warm, but not too warm, just right. The breeze tickles your skin, and it smells like the best days of summer. In the distance, you hear water trickling water and all of a sudden you're overcome with finding 
that water. So you walk through the meadow, you let your hands trail behind you on tall wildflowers, enjoying the warmth and the sunshine, but also pursuing that water. As you move toward it, the sound becomes louder till you realize that's no, that's no babbling brook. There's real water here. And you begin to feel thirsty. You walk on around a group of rocks and you see where that sound was coming from. There's a waterfall. There's a waterfall ahead of you. And it empties into a lovely lake, clear water. And you want to get in. <laughs> but the waterfall is so enticing. And you can tell that there are rocks behind the waterfall. And if you, if you move just right, you'll be able to go and stand in that spot between the rocks and the waterfall. So you make your way around the edge of the lake and step out onto the rocks. And as you edge ever so carefully against the rocks, you find yourself with a wall of water just beyond the tip of your nose. The sound of the water is now deafening as it throws itself from above down past you and into the water. Every sense is captivated by the roar and the pressure and the pounding of the water. You stick your fingertips in it and feel the water splash over your hands. And now you really want to put your head in it. <laughs> just to see if you can handle it. So you tilt your head down and allow the water to run over your head, your shoulders, and you laugh with delight at the silliness. You pull back for a moment and catch your breath. And then you step through the waterfall to the other side. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there you see him and he sees you. What is he saying to you? And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. I hope some of you saw Jesus in the waterfall. The first time I went to the waterfall, I opened my eyes and Jesus was standing there and he looked at me and he said one word, hi.
king of the universe just wanted to tell me, hey, what's up, girl? No. In that one little word, in that one little look, he said, I see you. I know you. I love you. And through very difficult circumstances, the chair and the waterfall have been a place of worship where I could step out of everyday tension and step into a holy place where I meet with my father, my savior, my comforter to regularly be be refreshed by the waterfall and his presence to step into some, a beauty that I can't fathom. Now, I tell you right now, I'm sure the Jesus that I see in that waterfall is not what he really looked like. Doesn't matter. He's, I'm sure the portrait that, your mother, that our, my mother-in-law had on the wall forever, this really handsome Jesus with big almond brown eyes. Oh, and he's so beautiful. Regardless of what you see Jesus look like? The point is that he wants to be with us. And that is what worship is. There are many, many ways we can experience the presence of God. Isn't that cool? Through song, through prayer, through reading the scripture and getting to know who Jesus was as a human, sitting in his presence, using my imagination. That's been a powerful one for me. But being in his presence is a place where I can give him my whole self. And that's what he wants from us. The waterfall is a place I can regularly visit in my mind when I need to see the eyes of the lover of my soul. He looks at me, he sees me, really sees me, the good and the bad. And he reminds me that I am his and he is mine. He centers me on his goodness And I come away refreshed by his nearness. My perspective on everything shifts when I've been in his presence. And once again, I can see the world, people, circumstances, and life through his remarkable, remarkable eyes. In Romans 12, Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's different to sit and be. Sometimes it feels like doing nothing. But I think in a day and an age when busyness often crowds out the nearness the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. A sacrifice that I make, that we are invited to make, is nearness and stillness, being with him. Finding a chair, 
Sometimes it's my car or the patio set on the back deck and just being with him. This is worship. Our whole selves presented to him, not just the pieces that we like. Guys, there are pieces of me I don't like very much. I don't know about you. Even as a believer who's walked with God for many, many years, there are things I still try to hide because I know it's not good enough. And when I go in that waterfall, when I go to that place and I look into those eyes, and he says, I know you're not enough, Paige. I'm enough. Jump into my way. Jump into me and let me live my life, live your life. Let me live it out through you. I will empower you. I will strengthen you. I will be enough even when you're not. It's an act of worship. It's not flashy. Doesn't sound good to the neighbors who can hear the piano through the walls. But it's holy. It's a holy place. One of the neat things about doing exercises like this at home is you're invited to sit with God. And these types of exercises, you know, nobody writes questions for me at home. I have a book that I teach with with the students. But, you know, as far as just doing something like this at home on your own, reading a passage, um, sitting and reflecting with it. If you're a journaler, you're gonna, you might really love doing some of these exercises because you can spend time asking God, what do you want to show me? What do, you, what, do you, what do you have for me here? And that's a beautiful thing. And I invite you to give it a shot this week sometime when you're doing, doing your normal thing through life. Take 10 minutes. Find a parable in the New Testament. Find a story that Jesus taught on and join him in it. Because he really, really wants to be with us. He really does. And you're invited to that. Sometimes when we do exercises like this, it stirs up things. I know my first um, experience with imaginative prayer was pretty emotional. I know you're shocked, those of you that know me. Um, It was emotional. And I, I needed to process out some of what I saw and felt and experienced. The prayer team's gonna come up here in just a moment. And you may, you may be thinking, I'm not sure what I, <laughs> I'm not sure about all that, Paige. And maybe you'd like somebody to pray with you about what you saw and heard and experienced. Regardless, you're invited to respond. You're invited to respond to the Holy Spirit. You're invited to respond to Jesus, our Heavenly Father. Would you stand with me?